made in God's image, we have to have a good grasp on who God is. He created all things, which means He's before all things. He's eternal, which also means He's self-existent. He doesn't depend on anyone or anything else for His existence. It also means He's all-powerful if He created everything, and He's all-wise. There's wisdom in all that He created. In verse 2, you can see there's formlessness. The, the ESV says formlessness and void and darkness, which means initially, just at the very, very initially, the world was not as good as he's about to make it in the rest of this chapter. He wants to show us right at the beginning that he's in the business of constantly redeeming his creation. So you have the Spirit of God hovering over the creation, ready to put order and design to the universe in the rest of this chapter. Then verses 3 through 25, the Spirit does. Over the first, verse 3 to 25 is the first five and a half days of creation where the, the Spirit's giving order to everything. And I'll just point out two things from these first five and a half days that lay a foundation for the creation of humanity. First, Notice in these verses that God commands things into existence. Verse 3, let there be light. Verse 6, let there be an expanse. Verse 9, let the waters under the heavens be gathered and everything obeys Him. These are commands from the Creator. God wants us to think of His voice as authoritative. His voice is creative. It gives, it speaks things into being, and His voice is authoritative. It demands a certain type of existence from His creatures. This means that whatever God created human beings to be, He's also commanding us to be. If a person resists how God has made him or her they are resisting the very voice of their creator. The other thing to notice in the first five in the world is how much good there is in this world. Verse 4, God saw that the light was good. Verse 10, God called the land earth and he called the waters seas and he saw that it was good. Then he makes vegetation and then the sun and the moon and the stars and then the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and then all the land animals and all of it, God saw that it was good. God is the one who thinks the world is good. It's not that someone's up there next to God and when he's creating everything, they're up there next to him saying, hey God, good job, that, that's good. No, it's God sees God is looking with a holy admiration at the work of His hands. He deems it good. So whatever God calls good, let man not call evil. However God chose to design human beings is good. Built into this word good is the idea of 
pleasant and delightful. God is really delighting in His creation. He saw that it is pleasant, which means He delights in the beauty of His creation. Beauty is not in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the eye of the Creator. God loves anything that is good and beautiful in and of itself, which is everything that He thought to make. Part of us being good stewards of this creation as His image bearers is not only being people who love the truth, not only being people who do good, but also being people who pursue beauty. Truth, goodness, and beauty all reflect who God is. Now, here are two truths about humanity from verses 26 to 31 to help us be faithful image bearers. Two truths about humanity. Number one, God designed humanity to perfection. God designed humanity to perfection in verses 26 and 27. Verse 26, which is in the middle of day six, which is the last day of God giving order to this universe. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, again, it's a command that God, whatever he's commanding here is what he made us to be and what he commands us to be. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Clearly, he made human beings to have authority over the rest of creation. It's possible for us to rule too harshly. We, we mess up this authority all the time. But it's also possible to abdicate our rule over creation. We have a responsibility as human beings to rule as God rules, to rule in His likeness. So you have animal cruelty as ungodly dominion on one extreme, but you also have things like worshiping a lava goddess on the other extreme. We're not supposed to worship the creation we're supposed to rule over the creation. It's this authority that God gives to mankind. And that authority comes from the fact that we are made in God's image. Many people trip up over, let us make man in our image. Who's this us in this hour here. Some people think God is speaking to angels here and using angels to assist him in creating mankind. Some people think this us is a plural of majesty, as some Hebrew scholars would say. That's possible. But the best interpretation is really what most Christians thought before the 19th century, that this is a revelation of the Father speaking to the Son and the Spirit. We already know the Spirit of God is at work in this chapter. We also know 
that the Trinity, so the doctrine that God is one God in three persons, we know that the Trinity did not start being the Trinity at any point in history. The Trinity's always been the Trinity, including here in Genesis 1. Many good Christians have a hard time with this interpretation because they they think Moses, the author of Genesis, he, he didn't know the doctrine of the Trinity. You know, what's it's up for debate what Moses knew about the Trinity. What's not up for debate is that God knows about the Trinity. God is revealing something to us here. Look at what verse 26 actually says. Then God, some of you might know the word Elohim is a plural noun. Then God said, singular verb. So this plural noun, but this singular verb, there's one being speaking. And this one being said, let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image, singular. After our, plural, likeness, singular. There's only one speaker and one image and one Likeness. We are not created in the image of angels. This can't be God speaking to angels. God does not share an image with angels. God is revealing in himself that there is both a plurality and a oneness in who he is. This is an early revelation of the Trinity. Now, I'm not saying you can get the full-blown doctrine of the Trinity just from this one verse. You actually can't get any full-blown doctrine from any one verse in the Bible. But I am saying, since by God's grace we have the light of the rest of the Bible, and based on the actual words in this verse, there's a lot of good reasons to see verse 26 as a window into the divine counsel of Father, Son, and Spirit. Augustine, Calvin, Matthew Henry, the great Reformed Baptist, John Gill, they all understood this as a revelation of the Trinity. If you don't take the us in verse 26 as a revelation of the Trinity, there's heretical ditches that you can fall into of either polytheism, as if there's many gods on one side, or that we're somehow made in the image of angels on the other side. Genesis 1.26 is really the only way, one of the very few ways a Trinitarian God could speak about creating us in the one divine image. And this is actually very encouraging if you think of it this way. Because God created everything by speaking, let there be, let there be, let there be. But in verse 26, when he thinks to create mankind, it's let us. There's this divine counsel, let us make man in our image. Almost as if to communicate there's special divine attention given to the creation of mankind. So verse 27, so God created man in his own image In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Many great minds have tried to define what is the image of God. What does it mean to be the image of God? Some have said it's 
our authoritative role in the world. Some have said it's the fact that we alone have souls among all creatures. Sorry, you dog lovers. We're the only ones with this kind of soul. Some have said it's our ability to create or our ability to love or our ability to be morally pure. I say, sure. It's all those. Probably all that is included in there. I'll just simplify it for you. To be made in God's image is to be like God. More like God than anything else. We are and we can and we must strive to be more like God than any other creature is or can be like Him. We are and we can and we must strive to be more like God than any other creature is like Him or can be like Him. Even more than the angels who are sinless in heaven. We're not made in the image of angels and angels are not made in the image of God. Human beings alone are made in the image of God. God made human beings the crowning jewel of His creation. This order of creation, brothers and sisters, making us last on day six, that order ought to keep us thankful and humble. It ought to keep us thankful that He made us the climax of creation. What is man that he should be mindful of us? We should be thankful and humble. We were made at the very end of day six so that God could always say to us, whenever we get prideful, where were you when I created everything else? We should be, day six should keep us thankful and humble. And notice it's in the image of God he created him before he created her. Meaning Adam was created first to give him an authoritative role over his wife Eve. And the Bible makes a big deal about that order in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Timothy 2 as well as Genesis 2 and 3. So the order is important. But then right after that, it's in the image of God, He created Him, male and female. He created them. So both male and female are created in the image of God. Husbands are the authority over their own wives. We do have roles that God gave to us, but we are either male images of God or female images of God. God does not have gender. That, that's also important to remember. God is not male nor female. Don't confuse father and son for some kind of maleness in God. Male and female is all about human anatomy, human physiology, God is not human. God is not made in our image. But all humans are made in the image of God. So both male and female can represent God on this earth. He made His 
image bearers to have gender. So brothers and sisters, male and female is a part of God's good and beautiful design for this world. God thought up male and female image bearers. It's what He commanded into being. Any attempts to get rid of men and women roles. So think churches that have women teaching men all the time. Any attempt to get rid of men and women roles. Or any attempts to change the definition of man or woman. Or to change the anatomy of little boys and girls. Anything to distort male and female is telling God, we hate your design. May God have mercy. Brothers and sisters, stand firm in the goodness of your Creator and in the goodness of the image He created. If you know anyone who's confused about their gender, be compassionate with them and point them to the goodness of their Creator. What they need is to get to know God better. They need to understand their Creator better so that they can understand what it means to be His image better. Or if any of you are confused about gender, please talk to the elders here. I assure you, you have a good and gracious Creator and the Holy Spirit who beautifies this world will give you exactly what you need to thrive in this world as the image bearer He created. The other truth in this passage about humanity, number two, God designed the world for humanity to enjoy. God designed the world for humanity to enjoy. Verse 28 through 30, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Did you hear this blessing? Be fruitful and multiply. I didn't even think to pick this text on Mother's Day, but praise the Lord for all the mothers who have born children, have, have actually borne fruit and multiplied. It is part of God's good design and His good blessing on us to multiply, which means children are always a blessing, always. Even unwanted pregnancies, those are children that are a blessing 
from God. They're little image bearers that God has created. And I would not argue that all prevention of children in marriage is sinful. I do think some methods are very questionable. But more importantly, a lack of desire in your heart. A lack of desire for more children in the church and in the world. A lack of desire for children goes against God's design for marriage and God's design for the world. He tells the first married couple, multiply, be fruitful. This is his blessing to them. Multiply so that my image might spread over all the earth. What a beautiful world that would be. Here's a vision for you, Hawaii Kai. I got this idea from a former member. The LGBT agenda and the abortion agenda are both these anti-children agendas. They're not reproducing much. If we Christians just keep having more children, just keep praying for more and more children and teach them all the biblical worldview, and have them all grow up in a good church like this throughout their whole childhood, imagine how different our country might look in a couple generations. We, we just keep being more fruitful and multiplying more than the world. We should pray for that. The other part of the blessing is to subdue the earth and have dominion which means we rule over the earth the way God rules over everything. That's why you have to keep growing in your knowledge of God, keep growing in our knowledge of who He is, His love, His wisdom, His righteousness. The more we get to know God, the more we can know how to rule, exercise authority on this earth. And God ends His speech by filling our ideas of dominion a little bit with how he gave us every green plant and every tree when everything with seeds for us to eat he gave us this world to feed us this is actually part of us practicing dominion and enjoying his creation is simply by eating it's always good to eat together as the christian church because food, God feeding us, is, a, is just built in to the DNA of this creation. Never stop saying grace before meals. And never let those prayers become robotic. Every meal we eat connects us to God. We only eat if God decides to feed us. It's a part of His love to His people. Conclusion, in verse 31, God's design for all things is very good. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Only after mankind is created, only after God in 
Dahl's his idea of male and female exercising dominion over everything else. Only then is this world very good. Of course, now because of our sin, we no longer represent God as we ought. We make the world not as good as it once was and as it will one day be. And the average image bearer does not acknowledge God or give thanks to Him. This is a world that hates babies, that distorts beauty, and that often calls evil good and good evil. And we've all taken part in that. There's not a righteous man that on earth that does good and never sins. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the good news is that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And 2,000 years ago, the Word became flesh. The eternal Son actually became a male image of God. And He reconciled us to God in His body of flesh by offering up that body once and for all on the cross. Now we know exactly what it looks like to represent God if we look to Christ. And now we can be daily, by God's grace, daily conformed into the image of His Son. And every time, according to Ephesians 4, every time we put off the old self and are renewed in the spirit of our minds and put on the new self. Each time we do that, we are actually being more and more created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And the more we become like Christ, the more we can say with confidence that God is using the church to make the world a better place. Let's pray. Lord God, please continue commanding us whatever you will and give us grace to do all that you command. I pray for my brothers and sisters at Hawaii Kai Church that you will help them to represent you faithfully in this city. In Jesus' name, amen.